Welcome to Cornerstone College Ministries Podcast. I'm Blake Brown, the college pastor at Stillwater Bible Church. You're joining us as we do a three-part study of the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. If you've been with us before, you realize that this short series, uh, it's a lot more laid back. During the summer, we are more discussion-based and relaxed in our lessons. Hope you enjoy as we go through this amazing passage about those who had triumphs of the faith. Open up your phone or your Bibles to Hebrews 11, so we're studying. Last week, we looked at the first 16 verses, and this week, we have even more. Um, so we saw Abel, right? We saw Enoch. We saw Noah, Abraham, and Sarah as people um, who are these people who have had triumphs of faith, right? Um, we said that these people had moments of living in faith, but they weren't necessarily always faithful people, right? What are some things that, say, Abraham did that you're like, Maybe not the best, right? Lied about his wife. Lied about his wife twice, right? It's like, hey, she, uh, you're my sister so that they don't kill me, right? And then both times God was like, uh, no, don't, right? Um, and then um, right, Enoch, you don't know anything about him, right? He just walked with God and was no more, so maybe he's pretty faithful. We don't know. Um, <laughs> Abel didn't have much time for us to know much about him, right, when Cain killed him. Um, <laughs> But then, like we see that uh, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah, we know more about their lives, right? We know that there's, they're not necessarily always faithful, but they had these triumphs of faith in their lives, right? They had these things, these acts of faith that they did um, relying on God because they know that there's a, he is a faithful God. So they had faith in a faithful God, so they did things based on his word and based on his promises. They know that he was and that he rewarded those who were pleasing to him, right? If you were in Hebrews, um, it's towards the beginning. I actually need to pull it up. So what we do during the summer is we actually study the Bible up here on the screen together. Um, and so I don't remember where it was, but it says, uh, it's like verse 6. Right? For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Right. Um, so he rewards those who seek him. You have to understand that there's a benefit to drawing near to God and abiding in Christ, or else you wouldn't do it. Right. If you're like, this is neither good nor bad for me, then why would you? draw near but we know that God is faithful um, we have the fruit of the spirit we have things we're going to get if we're drawn near to him um, uh, doesn't mean we'll have suffering though we're going to see that a lot this morning so I'm not going to read this entire passage because we're doing um, 16 through 40 or 17 through 40 this morning um, but I'm going to read the last little bit of it so if you skip down oh, I don't I left my bible which is not the best thing um, to leave um, let's go down to verse 32 so um, Hebrews eleven thirty two. He says this. What more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, of Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, <coughs> quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, again, um, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword, and they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mounds and caves and holes in the ground. And all these having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Right. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to meet together um, here to study your word and to, to dig into it and to have fellowship and build each other up. Um, I pray that this morning as I... As we go through this passage, that you would just speak to us um, through it, that it wouldn't be me up here just talking, but you'd be, be you speaking through me, and everyone would be encouraged or convicted as needed, Lord. I uh, pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Canon, it is 2022. You are not allowed to cough. <laughs> all right. <laughs> as I cough. Um, okay. So, um, starting off, um, let's look here. So, we ended the last week with this idea that all these people were... Sh- all these people were strangers and exiles. They were not coming from a country, but rather coming to a country, right? God had promised them this land. So they weren't like 
um, coming from this country that they could return to. Like, oh, I'm home. Rather, they were going to this country that they were calling home because God had promised them this country. He had a country that um, he's planning for them. So we return back to Abraham now, right? Um, look at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested. Can everyone read this? Is that big enough? Okay, cool. Um, um, when Abraham was tested, he offered up Isaac, who had been received the promises, was offering his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your son shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which also he received him back as a type. Okay. So, uh, if we look here. So, I have what I have here is the, the um, English, of course, the Greek, and then information stuff. Um, and you remember what the green means whenever it's highlighted like that. Learn from last week? No? Green means go. Yeah. Um, so green is, uh, it's called a participle, right? And so a lot of times it has the meaning of like an ing ending, so like running or like going and some things. Um, but also it can mean other things like the one who is, one who has ran, one who, it's, 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 uh, I'm not going to explain all of like Greek participles. Um, but that's what that is. Um, if you can't really tell, but it's um, this blue kind of, it just looks kind of dark maybe up here. Um, those are called, in the, they're, in, they're in the indicative mood. Um, and the indicative mood is just a mood of reality, right? So this is a verb that just is. If there was any red up here, um, then it'd be the, in the imperative mood, which means that it's the mood of command, right? It's a verb that has a command, like go do this, right? Um, run away, right? All these things. Um, okay, so starting out here, right? Uh, by faith, Abraham, that's just so you know what those weird things are. When he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promises, was offering up his only begotten son. Wow, his only begotten son. Um, thing you have to think about is how many sons did Abraham have? Two. Right, at least two. Right? Um, so what does that mean by only begotten? <laughs> As Rachel said, special. Um, yeah, so it's only, it's only his special son, right? It's unique. So if you look here at um, begotten, over here, you can see it's a monogenes. Um, so it's, uh, you see a little one, which is pertinent to um, being the only one of its kind within a specific relationship, right? The only one of its kind. That's why we are called children of God, right? Sons of God. But Christ is the only begotten son of God, right? We're still sons of God, but he's the only of its kind, right? In the same way, Isaac was the only one who the promise was given through, right? He was the only, the special son who the promise was going to come through. And so he was the only begotten son, even though he had, oh my gosh, what's the other son's name? Ishmael? Okay, Ishmael, yeah. Ishmael, um, he had Ishmael as well um, through Hagar, but, um, oh, Rahab? Oh my gosh, wow, I'm doing really bad at this. Okay, I stick with my gut. Okay, so um, he had through Hagar, he had Ishmael, um, but... We see here that his only begotten, his only unique sin that the promise was given through by God was Isaac, right? It was to him whom it was said, and Isaac, your descendant, shall be called. So faith in faith, Abraham was tested, and he offered up Isaac, right? God said, hey, I promise that your son will have as many, through him, as many descendants as the sand of the seashore, right? As the stars of the heavens. Um, go ahead and kill him, right? <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay. I know you're faithful, God, and you will do what you've promised, so therefore I'm going to follow what you say. Um, so it was an act of faith. It was tested there. He considered that God was able to even raise, verse 19, raise people from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. So in spite of contradictory, what seemed like contradictory commands from God, he still was faithful because he knew that God was faithful. God promised, Abraham believed. Okay, and this is him back as a type. A type of what? type of Christ, right? Um, a type, if we look on here, there's some, um, as a type, it has a little thing here you can look at. It says, or literally in a parable, right? As a type in a parable. Um, and so it's this idea that he, he got him back as a type of the future Messiah, right? Um, so he went to go sacrifice him, his only begotten son. And then, in fact, it's on the same mountain that Christ was crucified on, um, you know, many, many years later. Um, but... Um, so that's it's a type of Christ, right? As as a kind of a future um, 
a foreshadow, right, uh, of, of Christ being sacrificed and coming back to life. Because he believed that God would do that because God had already promised that he would be faithful to um, have his seeds, uh, his seed be the, as multiple as the seashore. Wow, this is really hard for me to get through that. Um, okay, does this make sense? So Abraham's um, kind of triumph of faith that he had here was God told me this was going to happen. I believe God, therefore I'm going to do what he says. Right? Even though it didn't seem to make sense, his test of faith, he proved that he, he had, he had uh, that's why he's in the hall of faith, because he, he still had faith in God. through faith. <coughs> All right, and then we go on. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. Right? Um, if we look at uh, the thing here, um, 11.20, right? Isaac, so Genesis... 27. Um, so he came close and kissed him, and when he smelled the smell of his garments, right, this is when Jacob was being a little uh, crafty here, trying to be Esau. Um, he smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be masters of your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be those who curse you, bless those who bless you, right? And so things to come, right? Nations to bow down. Well, it wasn't like right at that moment. Boom, nations were bowing down to Jacob. But in the future, it's something that will happen, right? Because um, we know that through Jacob came the Messiah, right, ultimately. And he's going to be the king um, of, of the world, thousand-year reign. He'll be ruling, reigning, and everyone will, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow to Christ. So future um, there that he, that he kind of uh, prophesied there. And then we have 21, 22. Um, says that by faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Um, so it's Genesis 50, 24 to 25. Um, is it good? Maybe it's this one. Nope. Let's go here. So Jacob, who's dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, right? Um, uh, Ephraim, 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 right? And Manasseh, right? Um, those and bless them and then Joseph when he was dying um, said this or said to his brothers I'm about to die but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to his land which he promised an oath to Abraham to Isaac right he knew that the promise had been given to Abraham so it's like it's going to happen right I know that God will do this because he promised it um, and ultimately we know that he did right now after a while the judges made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. Okay. Why did Joseph care about the bones being carried? To the promised land, right? He was like in this foreign country. Why do you think it's important? Why do you think why do you think he thinks it's important for his bones to be in the promised land? Yeah, we know that um, ultimately one day the Old Testament saints are going to be raised up, right? There's going to be a thousand year reign here on earth. We talked about that some when we went over um, First Thessalonians during the semester. Um, but the, um, the Old Testament saints ultimately are going to be raised up. There's going to be physical resurrection. They're going to reign with Christ on this earth. Um, now, does it mean that if his bones were left in Egypt, he couldn't reign with Christ? No. But I think they understood the idea that there's going to be a kingdom set up in the promised land that was given to Abraham. And through that, he um, made a provision. He's like, hey, bring my bones there because I know that that's where I'm going to be raised up again, right? To rule and reign with the Messiah at one point. Um, so he had faith in knowing that God will carry out this thing, right? He said he promised he's going to do this, so he will. Um, and then later on, he's like, I'm going to be raised up at some point. So I'm sure my bones are there. Right. Does that make sense? Any questions about any of this so far? Um, and then we have Moses, right? Who here likes Moses? He's a pretty cool dude. Uh, all three of y'all. Um, <laughs> um, so, 
with Moses, right? By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and were not afraid of the king's edict, right? Um, let's go, okay, to 26. So, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the approach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward um, so that's a, that's a, um, great way to put it, right? Um, Moses chose to be identified with God's people, right? The people who the promises have been made to rather than being identified with the culture, um, and being accepted, right? By, by his rulers, by the people who were in authority. He rather decided that, um, I would be with the, the God's people than the, than the, the rich people, right? Basically, um, he knew that to live for the Messiah, right, for the future Christ, for the Messiah, was better than the riches in Egypt because God is faithful, right? All these people in the Hall of Faith um, lived faithful lives right, or at least had faithful moments because they knew that God was faithful. And that's the reasoning for it. And so he knew God was faithful, therefore he's going to stay with that. He was looking for the reward that was better than riches, right? Um, Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. It's kind of a right? shot to the to the heart. Um, it's like, ooh, do I rather do I enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, or do I live for Christ? Right? What do we do? He considered the approach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For who's looking to the reward? Egypt was pretty wealthy. Right. I don't know if y'all know that. Um, ultimately, the people of Israel kind of took all that wealth with them. Um, but uh, they were pretty wealthy, but he, and he had this high position where he could have anything he ever wanted. But instead, he decided to be with the people of God because he knew who God was right, and how he was faithful. By faith, verse 27, he left Egypt um, not fearing... Sorry, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was unseen. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Um, so he didn't fear the king, right, because he knew God was there, right, who he can't see. And if you, well, they saw a pillar of fire, right, and a pillar of smoke. Um, but if you go back to the beginning of Hebrews 11, what does it say about faith? Uh, it is that is in Hebrew. Or I don't know if it's in Hebrews actually, I don't know. but um, <laughs> Hebrews like twelve or Hebrews eleven, like one or two, right? Right. It's the say it again. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things you hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. Right. He saw the riches. He saw the wealth. He saw the power of Egypt, but he knew who God was, even though he didn't see him necessarily, and therefore. We saw him as a burning bush, right? And that's one thing that's pretty powerful. You see the bush on fire, and it's like the leaves are still green, but it's burning. Um, and so uh, ultimately he didn't see him, but he, has seen, he endured fixing his eyes on God, ultimately, right? We see that. He fixed his eyes on God and was able to keep enduring because of that. Um, get the Passover, right? God was like, hey, kill a lamb, put his bow on your door, and then your first one won't die. He's like, okay. Right? <laughs> we hear that growing up, and we're like, yeah, Bible stories, right? But then he was like, I guess, okay, apparently everyone's first one's going to die, except for those who have this, the lamb sauce, right, um, <coughs> on, the, on the door. Um, and so because of the speaking of blood, so the destroyer, the first one, would not touch them. They passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing on dry land. The Egyptians tried that, and they were drowned, right? From the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt and passing through the Red Sea there. Um, so all of those were acts of faith. God was like, hey, do this. He's like, okay, I guess I will, right? And he did, and um, this happened through that. <coughs> they had triumphs. And look at verse 30. Oh, can't. Um, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. This thing made no sense, right? Now, to be fair, Israelites have been in the desert for a little bit of a time before this. Um, they're probably just like, God, whatever, I just want to get in this land, right? I want to stop being in the wilderness. Um, but um, who can tell me like a quick synopsis of what basically happened with the walls of Jericho? 
True. Yes. Why? Because of trumpets, marching. right? Marching. Yeah. They did it for how many days? Seven days, right? And they march around it. How many, how many times is the first number of days? Once. Once, right? And the last day, how many times? Seven times, right? On the walls of a city, right? That's a lot. Um, ultimately, at the very end, blue trumpets, all that stuff happened, and boom, the walls came down. Right? Which is insane, right? You're sitting there, and for a whole week, you're marching around this city every day, and you're like, God told us to, right? Um, don't understand, but God told us to. And they stuck with it. And it worked, right? And they were able to conquer the city. Um, so the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we think that we have better ideas than God? Like, okay, God, you say to do this, but really, I think it's better if we just go to this route instead, right? How about we just attack the city, right? That'd be a lot better than marching around it. Um, but ultimately, we see that, I mean, God's plan is the best plan, right? They had faith in God because God is faithful. Remember, this isn't talking about faith for salvation, right? It's talking about faith in their, in their, in their lives, right? Um, these, these triumphs of faith that they had, or they trusted God in these moments. Um, us as believers know that we place our faith in Christ, and we have eternal life at that moment. It's a free gift uh, of salvation. Uh, but then we live our lives by faith after that, right? We're made more and more like Christ the more we, we um, live our lives by faith, trusting Him, right? Reading His Word and abiding in Him. Okay, then look at um, Hebrews 11.31. By faith, Rahab the harlot, see there's Rahab, um, did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she welcomed the spies in peace. All right. Well, what is that talking about? Um, let's go to... Boom. Um, so, and said to the man, right, I know that the Lord, this is Rahab speaking to the spies, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord, capitalized L-O-R-D, what does that mean? Yahweh, right? It's his personal name. Y-H-W-H. Um, it's Yahweh. So we, we have heard how, in verse 10, Lord ha- dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. What you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, um, Sihon and Og, and whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and had no courage remained any man longer, any longer because of you. For Yahweh, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Right? That's a pretty strong statement from Rahab the harlot. Right? Um, and yet, she heard about who God was, what he had done. She's like, all right, I'm going to act in faith that, that God, Yahweh, is the one true God. I'm going to help out his people how I can. Um, so they had a triumph of faith there. And then we have 32. Well, see it. And what more shall I say? Right? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Barak, or of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. Um, we kind of wish he would, right? Take the time. I mean, time may fail him, but I'd like to hear all that he says about those, especially some of them, right? Um, some of them I'm like, mm, I don't really understand quite, but let's take a look, right? So Gideon, right? Um, Gideon went out against the Midianites with trumpets and pots and won, right? And he had a big old army, and then God was like, uh, no, right? How do they drink water? I get the get rid of them, right? All these different things that he went through and was like, hey, make sure this is like a really, really small army. And then they had trumpets and they had pots they broke and they beat them, right? Like, it's insane. But ultimately, it was an act of faith in God and trusting God. And we see Gideon later on in his life. He's not the greatest dude, honestly, right? He um, kind of just kind of, but he had this triumph of faith here, right? And he's in the hall of faith because of that. Um, because he followed God in faith. And then Barak, right? Barak was the commander um, that uh, Deborah, the, the judge, right? this is in Judges, Deborah um, was told to, uh, sorry, Deb, God told Deborah to tell Barak, right, mm-hmm. um, to go and um, fight the Canaanites. And God would go before him, right? Say, hey, you're going to win. Go fight the Canaanites. You'll be good. But he refused to go unless Deborah went with him. And ultimately, they won, right? They had this amazing victory um, there. That's where we go and we see Jael, right, um, J-A-E-L, um, who was like, 
come on in, Commander. It's fine. Have a nap. And then I got a spike. It was like, right. Um, and so ultimately the, the, the victory went to right, JR rather than, than Brock. But um, I think that why he's in the Hall of Faith is that he trusted in God. And he's like, you're God's judge. You're pretty close to God. I want you to come with us, right? Like, God is good, right? Um, and I think that because you're so close to him, I have a faith that with um, not, not necessarily as a lucky token, right? Like, hey, you're with God. You must be pretty lucky. Let's go. But he's like, I know that you um, speak for God, right? On God's behalf a lot of times. And so therefore, I want you to be with us. And so he knew to be a great person of God. And so he trusted God and wanted God's judge there with him. And they won, right? So he had a triumph there in battle because he's like, all right, God told me we would win. Let's go. Then we have Samson, right? Talks about Samson. These are all judges. The first um, four are judges. Samson was a judge and was a mighty man, not a great man, right? He had his ups and downs. There were some good things about Samson. There were some not so great things about Samson. Um, he eventually was caught and trapped, right? What was the source of his power? His hair. And then Delilah was like, I'm taking your hair. Um, and so then he didn't have power anymore. Um, and then there, he was trapped. Um, he, end of his life, he's been ridiculed by enemies. Right? He'd been trapped. He'd been, his eyes were gouged out, um, all these terrible things. And then they prayed him, and they chained him between these two big pillars in this big palace um, place. And they're like, ha, look at him. He was so mighty. Now he's awful. Um, and then he prayed to God to give him strength one last time, and he literally brought the house down on the enemy's leaders, right? Um, by um, uh, right, the pillars, right? Collapsing the pillars. Um, and so while he wasn't a great man necessarily all the way through his life, he had these triumphs of faith, and especially in the end, he's like, all right, give me the strength, God, so that I can defeat these enemies, these people who ridicule, um, ridicule you, ridicule um, Yahweh and all these things. Samson, right? And then we have Jephthah, right? Um... Yeah. So, Jephthah was a judge. Um, Jephthah basically was this dude who he, his dad had a wife, but then he was the son of his dad and a harlot, basically. And then when he grew up, his brothers, who were actually the son of his dad and his dad's wife, his mom, or not his mom, anyways, the actual legitimate brothers, um, they were like, uh, you're not one of us, get out of here. And they ran him off, right? And so he went to this other place, and he was um, kind of just an outcast, and he had all these what's called worthless men around him that kind of gathered around him, but he was also a great warrior, right? He's a really good warrior. And then Israelites are being oppressed, and they're like, remember Jephthah? He was pretty good at fighting. And so um, they're like, hey, uh, come lead us in battle. He's like, y'all threw me out. Like, what are you talking about? Okay, fine. You want me to fight? Then let me be your leader afterwards if, you, if we win. And they're like, okay, fine. Sounds good. Um, and so basically he sends this letter to um, the Ammonites who he's fighting. And he's like, uh, what y'all doing? Why y'all trying to run us out? And um, they said that you took our land. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? First of all, we were going through the desert, right? And all these things happened. Um, and God was with us, and we were like, hey, can we go this way? And they're like, no. Hey, can we go this way? No. Okay, we'll stay here. And then later on, they defeated the people who were in this land and ran them off, right, through the power of Yahweh, through the power of God, and so therefore we occupied that land. And it's like, is it not whenever your God helps you conquer a land that you occupy that land rightfully? So why are you saying that we took this land whenever our God let us conquer that land, right? And then he has this really cool thing where he says, Yahweh, right? The Lord will decide between you or us who's going to win. And so, and then it says that they got that letter and they disregarded it, right? I'm like, that was an amazing letter that he wrote. Um, but they just disregarded it, and so they're going to fight. And then Jephthah was like, okay, God, if you help us win today, then whatever comes out of my house to meet me first, I will give as a burnt offering to you. <laughs> and so um, they go and they have a great victory. They win. So it comes back. And then his daughter's like, oh, Dad's back, and goes out and meets him. And he's like, ugh. And he actually says, like, daughter, you have made me basically, like, very small, very sad, all these things happening. Um, and then it goes on, and uh, I think we can find that. It's like two chapters, so I wanted to actually condense it down some before we went to it. Chapter 12. Um, 
Nope, that's not it. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He went over to fight them. Um, behold, look at verse 34. His daughter was coming out to meet him with the tambourines and the dancing. She was his one and only child. Besides her, he had no son or daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you are among those who trouble me. For I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. And there are, um, what's it called? There's a law that says that if a man makes a vow, that you're stuck with it, right? Don't, don't make stupid vows. Um, and then it says, but also there are also other provisions where you can redeem a person back, right? So you make a vow for a person, then you redeem them back, and ultimately... Uh, wouldn't have to sacrifice her, right? It's 30 shekels, 30 months of wages. He'd be able to pay, and then she would not have to do this. Um, but he's like, I can take it back, right? That's all. And she said to him, My father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you have said, since the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the sons of Ammon. Said to her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me be alone for two months, that I may go to the mountains and weep because of my virginity, and I and my companions. Then he said, Go. Send her away for two months, and she left with her companions, and we wept on the mountains because of her virginity. At the end of the two months, she returned to her father, who did to her according to the vow which she had made, and she had no relations with a man. Thus it became a custom in Israel. The daughters of Israel went yearly to the commemorate the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in the year. Read this straight through. What did he do? Made a vow, kept it by doing what? Sacrificing his daughter, right? Um, there are really good points on either side to say that he did or didn't actually sacrifice his daughter. Right? Um, the two ideas are that either he was terrible and he killed his daughter for real, or that he followed the law and he was faithful, right? And he was like, okay, but the law says that I can redeem you back, right? Um, or I can then um, just basically commit you to a temple servant for the rest of your life and you won't ever marry. Um, lots of points of sacrificing her. Lots of the points that he didn't. Either way, his lineage died when she did. Right? Um, there was a, a thing that was made um, with back when Joshua was around at Commander um, where these people were like, hey, we have no sons, so what happens to all of our inheritance and everything like that? I'm like, mm, okay, if you have a daughter, it can go through her, right? Your name can go through her, and your hair can go to her. But this was his only daughter, only child that he had. And so either way, if he killed her, sacrificed her, or he committed her to temple service, either way, that's when his, his lineage died. That's when his family, family line died right there. He did one in battle, and he had some faith in the Lord. Um, lots of reasons why people say that he didn't um, sacrifice her is because the reason she's mourning isn't because I'm going to die, but because, like, her virginity, right, she didn't have children. And so it's like maybe she was committed to temple service then, and that's why. Um, either way, if he sacrificed her or if he committed her temple service, his lamenting is justified, right? Either way, it's like my lineage is going to die completely now because you're the one that came out to me. Um, or if he's going to kill her, he's like, you're going to die and my lineage um, because of this. And so um, all of that happens, and it's kind of hard if you read that to be like, he's really faithful, right? Because does God desire a human sacrifice? No, right? Because in the Levitical law, it says do not, that human sacrifices would not be good, right? In fact, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's abhorrent to him. And um, so he wouldn't desire that. If you think about how, what's his name, Jephthah grew up, he was probably in a it's very pagan culture that he wasn't in with the Israelites, and even they were kind of going towards this pagan culture. And so human sacrifice isn't out of the question there. Um, so basically I did a whole bunch of study on this, and it could be either way. I think from the most simple reading of the text that he probably did sacrifice her, um, just because it's, if you read it straight through, it's what it seems like. She, he kept, um, look at verse 39, um, she returned to her father, who did to her according to the vow which she had made, right? Which was to offer a burnt sacrifice, which is a whole sacrifice to God. I think that the reason why he's in the hall of faith is because of his letter that he sent, right? The Lord will judge between you or I who's going to win today, right? And ultimately, he did win in battle. He had a triumph of faith. He was like, okay, God will decide. Not up to us. God will do it. And then he won. And so... Um, I think that's why he's in the Hall of Faith there. Um, 
other people question why he's there. I questioned why he was there, um, but I think that's probably why. And that's the fourth um, judge that we have here. We have four judges, and then we have a king, and then we have a prophet, um, priest and judge. Um, okay, any, any questions on that so far before we move on to David? Why do you think he thought it was necessary to make that kind of vow to begin with? So that is one other point towards his unfaithfulness, right? Um, is that it's like, okay, if you win, God, uh, I'll make a deal with you, right? If you win, then I'll sacrifice whatever comes out to me, right? Kind of thing. Um, kind of a lot of commentaries that I read were saying that he was trying to secure his present and ultimately sacrifice his future. Um, and there's like, okay, I just want to make sure we're going to win, right? I want to really make sure um, I'll, I'll do this. And a lot of times people would keep the more vulnerable animals um, indoors, um, and then they would have like their cows or that outdoors, of course. And so I was probably thinking, like, okay, I can like get like a chicken. Maybe I'll sacrifice a chicken. I'll sacrifice, you know, something else as a smaller animal, um, a lamb or something like that. And then, of course, it ends up being his daughter. Um, and so, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think there's some faithlessness that we see there that he's trying to secure his future, secure his present. If you notice, he is completely, or God is completely silent this entire time. He's making all these vows, and then God doesn't say anything. If we look back at Abraham sacrificing his son, God is the one commanding, and he's following. Right? We see sacrifice here of his daughter. God is silent. Right? He's the one making the vow. He's the one doing all these things and following through with it. Um, and, of course, I don't think God approves. I know God doesn't approve of the sacrifice of, of a child or of a person. That's Christ. So, Ultimately, I don't know, but that's my thoughts. All right, so four judges there. And then we go on to David, right? So all these people did have triumphs in battle, right? They triumphed, and they, they were able to go over um, through the power of God um, in battle. So then we have David. Um, so David was a man after God's own heart and had moments of faith all throughout his life, right? He had his downfalls. He had Bathsheba. He had um, things throughout his life whenever he was. He wasn't a great father either, Um but ultimately, he, he lived through faith, especially in the time when he was running from Saul. Then we have Samuel. He was a faithful prophet, priest, and judge. Um, and then it goes on and talks about the rest of the prophets. Right? So Samuel and the rest of the prophets here. Oh, we're still in Judges. Um, <coughs> the prophets were very faithful. And um, these people, right, have all of these victories. The People have victories. Look at verse 33 34. By faith, conquer kingdoms, formed acts of righteousness, obtained promises for the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, came mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Um, do you recognize anything within these? The mouth of lions from Daniel. Yes, the mouth of lions, right? Daniel, lions then. What is it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Benny, right? And Benny go. Um, so, yeah, we have the, that there as well. Uh, of course, obtain promises. A lot of people did that. Acts of righteousness, right? Except that it's a sword. We just made strong, mighty in war. All those things are kind of more generic, but we have like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Benny go. We're all there um, and such. And so, um, it's one of those things where really I do wish that it was just like Hebrews was like a 40 chapter long um, book. Um, just so that we could like actually see him go through all of these things, really cool. But all these people had these great victories, right? Because of their faith in God and their triumphs of faith that they had in God. Um, these great victories. But then the best victory comes up next, right? Women received back their dead by resurrection. Even death was not the end. There were times people were were brought back to life. So it's like okay, all these things happen. You you fight and you have victory. But even if you die, some of them are brought back to life. And it's like, that is a victory, right? That is a triumph of faith um, in, in God. And then look, women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death by the sword, and they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men of whom the world is not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. So the best thing is that even death is conquered through acts of faith in God. 
but the other side is they're suffering, right? These people had these great moments of faith, but they didn't have just perfect lives. Ultimately, they were suffering. Faithfulness leads to not just victory, but also to suffering. But there's a reward for it, right? There's a reward for it. Um, I don't know if it's on here, but um, look up real quick. Full credit there for Peter um, is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But when you do what is right and suffer for it and patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Right? And he's talked about how we want to make sure that if we're suffering, it's for doing what is right, not for doing what is wrong. If it's a consequence to our sins, like I sinned and then like something happens and we're suffering, we're like, I got caught, man, that sucks. Well, um, But if we're doing what is right and we're suffering, we're like, I, I'm innocent, right? I haven't done anything wrong. But God finds favor if we're suffering for doing what is right, right? If we're living a faithful life and then the world is persecuting us, right? Endure it, faithfully endure it. In the same way, that's what's happening in Hebrews, talking about all those people, right? All those people who um, experienced all this stuff, and yet they had these great triumphs, and yet they're suffering that's involved in that. What does Jesus say about um, suffering that we're going to have? In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Yeah. Their eyes are on, our eyes are on Christ, ultimately, because Christ has overcome the world. Um, also, he says that the world hated me. It'll also hate you, right? It is going to happen. Um, if we're living faithfully, there's going to be some suffering. There's suffering involved. But we're called to endure it because our eyes aren't on the suffering. Our eyes are on Christ, right? We're going to see next week who is the author and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, other good things, right? Acts of faith. Cool, but then if you look at some of the things the prophets went through, lots of suffering too, right? Lots of suffering. And all of these, verse 39, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Even though all that was happening, they didn't even receive what was promised to them, right? Which was a promised land, right? I'm a blessing to the whole world. All these things that happened, um, that there would be basically... Um, the, the Messiah would come, right? They'd build this stuff happening. They'd live in the land. If you look at Israel now and the promised land that was made to Abraham, very different, right? There's a lot more area that was promised to Abraham, and Israel has never fully had that entire area to its um, fulfillment, basically, to that thing. And so they never gained exactly what was promised. They're looking forward to the future faithfulness of God because God provided something better for us so apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Now, what does that mean, right? Apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Um, so you have a question you have to ask is like, what do we have to do with Moses, right, and Abraham, and all these people and their promises made to them, right? You know, there's some relation to us with those, <coughs> but apart from us, they wouldn't be made perfect. Um, so first of all, this little one, God foreseen, I've seen something better for us, so that part of my son would be made perfect. Um, uh, Hebrews 11, 16, desire a better country, right? A heavenly one. Um, so God is preparing this heavenly country for them. We know that there's a thousand year reign, and there's a new heavens and new earth that's going to come down. That's going to be, all the prophecies are going to be fulfilled in that, right? Um, things that were promised to them. And then it says, apart from us, not going to be perfect. Well, here's this little thing here. Um, Revelation 6 says this, the fifth seal. When the Lamb, right, Christ spoke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God, for the testimony which they had maintained, <coughs> those who have died as martyrs, right? And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And they were given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer. So the number of the fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. Right. So we see here, those who have been killed, right, which is really back in the Old Testament, a lot of them were killed right, or died before because of the word of God that they were um, proclaiming and such. They're like, how long do you avenge us, right? We've been killed. We've been martyred. Do something, God, holy and true, right? Like, do something, please. 
Um, and he's like, rest a little bit longer. There's more people who are going to join you, basically. Right? And we know that Christ hasn't come back yet. And there's still more suffering going to happen. Still more people are going to die. Especially in the tribulation, a lot of believers are going to die for their um, account of Christ, right? for their proclaiming the word of God. And so if we look back in um, Hebrews, God provides something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. They would not be made whole, right? They would not be made complete. Not everyone who is looking forward to that promise made in God, uh, made from God, has died yet, right? Has gotten to that point yet. And so apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Does that make sense that we see that connection? So there's still more people, um, including this generation and future generations, that are going to die um, for proclaiming Christ, for being faithful, living faithful lives, having triumphs of faith, and looking forward to the promise that we have in Christ, right? Of, of, of a future kingdom, right? Thousand year on this earth, and then of the new heavens and the new earth that are going to come. And they're looking forward to that, fixing their eyes on Christ. And apart from those people, right, the whole amount of people who are looking forward to that, who are suffering on God's behalf, isn't complete yet. Right? There's still more people who are going to be joining them. And we see in Revelation that he says, wait just a little bit longer, right? It's almost time for everyone to, who's going to suffer and die on behalf of God to be there. So um, I think that's what I was talking about when I end here. And then I'm going to go ahead and read the next two verses, uh, the next few verses. Uh, we're going to go over it next week, but I'm going to read it today. It says, Therefore, so we're going to call the witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Right? Talk about suffering. The one who created these people, who knit them together in the mother's womb, was being tortured and ultimately killed and ridiculed by them. But he was the author and the perfecter of faith. All these people Hall of Faith were great, had triumphs of faith, but they were not the they weren't perfect, right? They weren't the author of faith. But he, for the joy set before him, looking forward to the joy, endured suffering. And that's what our our goal is to do, right? We might be suffering, but we want to look forward to the joy that we have in Christ. And ultimately because of that he was sat on the right hand of the throne of God, right? So the cross came before the crown. There. It's an example for us. So consider him who endured so much hostility by sinners against himself so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. Right? Because it can be easy to lose heart whenever you're just being persecuted or you're suffering. Okay. All right, I have a few more minutes. So any, any thoughts, comments, questions about this? Um, maybe partially. Um, a lot of it will be. Um, they think about things like Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant. He was promised a land seed and a blessing. And then when God made that covenant happen, Abraham had no part in it, right? They set up the whole situation of like cut animals in half, put those that are in the circle and stuff. And then Abraham was just like put into a stupor. And then God and the pillar of fire went through the middle of that to, to solidify that no matter what you do, Abraham, I'm fulfilling this covenant. It's called a unilateral covenant versus a bilateral covenant, like the Mosaic law. God was like, y'all follow this, you'll be blessed. Y'all don't, you'll be cursed. Right? Um, and so part of it is not rewards, but rather just God promised. I mean, that God is faithful. And so look at the land that he promised to Abraham. That hasn't happened. Right? So that's what the future, the thing they're looking forward to is, that that will happen. That ultimately, that there will be, even if you look at Genesis, right, that he'll crush the head of the serpent, right? Um, and everything at back in that time, they were looking forward to the Messiah, right? That hadn't happened and everything. And so they were looking forward to the Messiah and looking forward to God's faithfulness. Um, with us, we look forward to the promises given us, right? That we're going to be with him forever. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Um, that there's going to be a thousand-year reign that we're going to be with Christ. If we're faithful, we'll be reigning and ruling with him. Um, and if we're not, we'll be there, but we're not going to be necessarily reigning or ruling with him and stuff. These are the rewards that we're going to see. Um, and all of that. And so there's promises that God has made that just 
haven't happened yet. When it says they haven't received them, it doesn't mean that they didn't get the promise, but they haven't actually gotten the fulfillment of the promise. What have you thought so far about Hebrews 11? Uh, we've been through it. I just think it's interesting with the sort of uh, the high esteem that the author of Hebrews gives to these men and the fact that he says they were hated by the world, despised mm-hmm. by the world, and persecuted. And he says their men from the world was not worthy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they were so faithful that, um, and, and had a lot of flaws. And even so, because of the degree of faithfulness that they had, the world wasn't worthy of them. Um, and it's it's just it's interesting to see that because I, I see in my mindset a lot of times I want to be a friend of the world, mm. um, and we are told to be loving towards people, and be kind. I don't think we should be you know weird or uh, or zealots or something. But we shouldn't seek the approval of the world. Primarily, we should seek the favor of God. And um, yeah, it's just, it, that's a theme in scripture that comes up a lot. It's the world's not going to understand, the world's not going to agree or approve, and in the case of Jephthah, we might, you know, present something that's actually amazing, and the world's like, that they disregard it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, I don't know, it's it's helpful to me to see that pattern again, uh, because I lose sight of it a lot. Mm. Yeah. So that the uh, carnal man, the natural man, cannot understand the things of God because they are spiritually appraised, right? They're spiritually understood. And so a lot of times whenever we talk about things of faith and things that were uh, scriptural things and spiritual things, oh, if you're not, you don't have the Holy Spirit, right? You aren't made spiritually alive. Well, then it's not going to make sense at all. And the world's going to be like, that's just weird. Stop, right? Um, and yet we know that um, we want to follow God because God is faithful, right? He promises us, do these things, right? Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, or his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, right? You will not have to worry about food, about water, about um, clothing, um, and such. And these things that we have promises from him, so we should act in accordance to those. And don't be like the Israelites could have been with Jericho and been like, yeah, this is weird. I'm going to walk around the city, right? They're making fun of us. They're dumping slushies on us. Uh, maybe the VeggieTales version. But um, it's like, this is kind of strange. I don't know what God's talking about. Um, but ultimately... God is faithful. That's who we need to be focusing on as we go through our lives. All right. I'm going to pray. We'll be done. God, uh, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you so much for your word and just how powerful it is and how we can see.